Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 86 of the Bible Reading Podcast. Today's big Bible discussion, according to Jesus, without doing this thing, you and I can accomplish nothing. What is it? So most of the time, I apologize for it when I have a clickbaity title, but not this time. This time, I'm almost proud. You probably do know what clickbait is, right? It's a title to an article that somebody shares on social media or is an ad on a website that is worded so that you click on it. Maybe you've seen some of these kind of ads. Uh, My favorite, my least favorite, I should say, are the ones that show what appears to be a disgusting skillet full of, I don't know, boiled bananas or something, and a caption like, uh, gut surgeons say, don't eat this one vegetable, or gut surgeons say to eat this one vegetable to be regular or something like that. Well, on today's podcast, I'm actually going to tell you the real and ultimate hidden Levitical secret code for being regular every day, and it is found in the book of Ex Laxidus chapter 2. Okay, I'm not actually proud of that joke. I do apologize. I should be ashamed of myself. Day 6 of Shelter in Place has gotten me so worked up that my comedy material has sunk to new lows. More seriously, as we go through what we are going through, I would urge you to pray for each other and let people know you're praying for them. Pray for me. Pray for all the believers as we go through these scary times. If there's a way I can pray for you, reach out and leave a comment at our website, BibleReadingPodcast.com. It would be an absolute privilege to lift you up in prayer and a great encouragement knowing that You're praying for my family of seven hunkered down here in Salinas, California. Today's Bible readings include Exodus 36, Proverbs 12, John 15, and Ephesians 5. Our focus passage for the day remains in John, and we are looking at a critically important teaching of Jesus. Now, there are a lot of important passages in the Bible and a lot of important teachings of Jesus, but I want to be really clear that this one in particular is crucial. Consider the way that Jesus talks about this passage. Getting the truth of it means that you will bear much fruit, and I will bear much fruit, which will show that we are followers of Jesus. Not walking in this truth puts us in danger of being the kind of branches that are gathered up and tossed into the fire. That sounds kind of scary. Not only that, but walking in the truth of this passage actually opens up a deeper, richer, and more effective prayer life, as Jesus says that following his teaching here is a critical key to having answered prayers. So, enough dancing around it. What is this key teaching of Jesus? It is simply this, to abide in him like a branch that is connected to the grapevine. Abide is the word that ESV, the NASB, and the King James Version, among many others, use. The CSB is Uh, uses the phrase remain in him, and other translations like the uh, contemporary English version says to stay joined to him. But regardless, the word picture is that we are like a branch that is grafted into a vine, and just like a branch removed from a vine rooted in the earth will not bear any fruit, so we will not bear any fruits without with our lives if we are not rooted and grounded and attached to Jesus and remaining in him. He's the true vine. So let's read John 15, and then we'll come back and discuss it. John chapter 15, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Amen. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But... They will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else had done, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So, I hope you caught that in the very early part of John 15. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me or abide in me. Now, John is not the only place in the Bible that discusses our relationship with Jesus using this kind of gardening root tree dug in metaphor. Colossians 2 and Ephesians 3 also do the same thing among other places. Colossians 2 verse 7 says, and this is the New Living Translation, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Ephesians three fourteen through 19 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth 
and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the one big question that should occur to us upon seeing the importance of abiding is how? How do we abide in Jesus? I think the answer is given to us in verse 7, where Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. In order for us to abide in Jesus, his words must fill us, live in us, dwell in us. We must know them. They must be in our mind. We got to go to the Bible daily and more than that, really, so that the words of our master dwell in our hearts and in our thoughts through faith. In doing this, we remember that somehow, some way, in a way that is very difficult to sort of conceive, Jesus is the Word. So when we are reading and meditating on His teachings, we are not just interacting with mere human words, but words, capital W, the Word. I'm reminded here of John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in Revelation, I think it's 19, I I recall that Jesus has a name written on his leg that says the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. When we abide in the words of Jesus, we are abiding in Jesus. But we don't just learn the words of Jesus. Well, you've got to be doers of his Word. So think about the passage we read yesterday, John 14 verses 23 and 24, where Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is for but is from the father who sent me. That's John 14, 23 and 24. Um, So if we love Jesus, we will keep his word. When we keep his word, did you see the connection there? Jesus and the Father will come to us and make their home in us. So what does abiding have to do with? It has to do with hearing the word of Jesus, living the word of Jesus. And when we do that, it's not just his words that live in us, it's him. He and his Father dwell in us. They make their home in us. And now let's close with a word from our beloved brother, Charles Spurgeon, on this passage. Do not merely find a temporary shelter in me, says Jesus, as a ship runs into harbor in stormy weather and then comes out again when the gale is over, but cast anchor in Jesus as the vessel does when it reaches its desired haven. Be not as branches that are tied on and so can be easily taken off, but be livingly joined to Jesus. Abide in me, he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in Jesus. You and I must bear fruit or else be cast away, but you cannot bear any fruit except by real union and constant communion with Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Not merely, says Spurgeon, will you do very little, but you can do nothing at all if you are severed from Christ. You are absolutely and entirely 
dependent upon Christ, both for your life and for your fruit bearing. Do we not wish to have it so, beloved? It is the beginning principle of apostasy when a man wishes to be independent of Christ in any degree. When he says, give me the portion of goods that is owed to me that I may have something in hand, some spending money of my own a reference to the prodigal son. No, says Spurgeon, you must from day to day, from hour to hour, and even from moment to moment, derive life, light, love, everything that is good from Christ. What a blessing that it is so. If a man abides not in Jesus, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. There is a sad future in store for tares, according to another parable, but somehow there is a much sadder lot reserved for those who were, in some sense, branches of the vine, those who made a profession of faith in Christ, though they were never vitally united to him. Those who for a while did run well, yet were hindered. What was it that hindered them that they should not obey the truth? Oh, it is sad indeed that any should have any have had any sort of connection with that divine stem, and yet should be cast into the fire. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Do not think, says Spurgeon, that all men can pray alike effectually, for it is not so. There are some whom God will hear, and some whom God will not hear. And there are some even of his own children whom he will hear in things absolutely vital and essential, to whom he never gave carte blanche after this fashion. You shall ask what you will, and it will be done for you. No, if you will not hear God's words, he will not hear yours. And if his words do not abide in you, your words shall not have power with him. They may be directed to heaven, but the Lord will not listen to them so as to have regard unto them. Oh, it needs very tender walking for one who would be mighty in prayer. You shall find that those who have had their will at the throne of grace are men who have done God's will in other places. It must be so. The greatest favorite at court of the king will have a double portion of the jealousy of his monarch, and he must be specially careful that he orders his steps aright, or else the king will not continue to favor him as he was wont to do. There is a sacred discipline in Christ's house, a part of which consists in this, that as our obedience to our God declines, so will our power in prayer decrease at the same time. So those are sobering words from Spurgeon and very encouraging words from Jesus that point us to the only way as Christians to be fruitful and the only way as churches to be fruitful. We might try to be fruitful with excellent multimedia, incredible programs and plans and lots of uh, amazing bells and whistles and such nice buildings, nice budgets. But ultimately, we will bear zero fruit no matter what we try if we are not abiding in Jesus. Exodus chapter 36 verse 1. Bezalel, Aholiab, and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do the, all the work of constructing the sanctuary. 
So Moses summoned Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom. All those hearts moved them to come to the work and do it. They took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Then all the artisans who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work the Lord commanded to be done. After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp, Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. There was more than enough. All the skilled artisans among those doing the work made the tabernacle with tin curtains. Bezalel made them of finely spun linen as well as blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with a design of cherubim worked into them. Each curtain was 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. All the curtains had the same measurements. He joined five of the curtains to each other and the other five curtains he joined to each other. He made loops of blue yarn on the edge of the last curtain in the first set and did the same on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. He made 50 loops on the one curtain and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain in the second set so that the loops lined up with each other. He also made 50 gold clasps and joined the curtains to each other so that the tabernacle became a single unit. He made curtains of goat hair. For a tent over the tabernacle, he made 11 of them. Each curtain was 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. All 11 curtains had the same measurements. He joined five of the curtains together and the other six together. He made 50 loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set and 50 loops on the edge of the corresponding curtain in the second set. He made 50 bronze clasps to join the tent together as a single unit. He also made a covering for the tent from ramskins dyed red and a covering of fine leather on top of it. He made upright supports of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each support was 15 feet long and 27 inches wide. Each support had two tenons for joining one to another. He did the same for all the supports of the tabernacle. He made supports for the tabernacle as follows, 20 for the south side, and he made 40 silver bases to put under the 20 supports, two bases under the first support for its two tenons, and two bases under each of the following supports for their two tenons. For the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, he made 20 supports with their 40 silver bases, two bases under the first support, and two bases under each of the following ones. And for the back of the tabernacle on the west side, he made six supports. He also made two additional supports for the two back corners of the tabernacle. They were paired at the bottom and joined together at the top in a single ring. This is what he did with both of them for the two corners. So there were eight supports with their 16 silver bases, two bases under each one. He made five crossbars of acacia wood for the supports on one side of the tabernacle, five crossbars for the supports on the other side of the tabernacle, and five crossbars for those at the back of the tabernacle on the west. He made the central crossbar run through the middle of the supports from one end to the other. He overlaid them with gold and made their rings out of gold as holders for the crossbars. He also overlaid the crossbars with gold. Then he made the curtain with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen. He made it with a design of cherubim worked into it. 
He made four pillars of acacia wood for it and overlaid them with gold. Their hooks were of gold, and he cast four silver bases for their pillars. He made a screen embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen for the entrance to the tent, together with its five pillars and their hooks. He overlaid the top of the pillars and their bands with gold, but their five bases were bronze. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but the one who hates correction is stupid. One who is good obtains favor from the Lord, but he condemns a person who schemes. No one can be made secure by wickedness, but the root of the righteous is immovable. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a wife who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are just, but guidance from the wicked is deceitful. The words of the wicked are a deadly ambush, but the speech of the upright rescues them. The wicked are overthrown and perish, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man is praised for his insight, but a twisted mind is despised. Better to be disregarded, yet have a servant, than to act important, but have no food. The righteous cares about his animal's health, but even the merciful acts of the wicked are cruel. The one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies lacks sense. The wicked desire what evil people have caught, but the root of the righteous is productive. By rebellious speech, an evil person is trapped, but a righteous person escapes from trouble. A person will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the work of a person's hands will reward him. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. A fool's displeasure is known at once, but whoever ignores an insult is sensible. Whoever speaks the truth declares what is right, but a false witness speaks deceit. There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue only a moment." Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. No disaster overcomes the righteous, but the wicked are full of misery. Lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. A shrewd person conceals knowledge, but a foolish heart publicizes stupidity. The diligent hand will rule, but laziness will lead to forced labor. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. A righteous person is careful in dealing with his neighbor, but the ways of the wicked lead them astray. A lazy hunter doesn't roast his game, but to a diligent person his wealth is precious. There is life in the path of righteousness, and in that its path there is no death. Ephesians 5 Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard among you, as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For no one recognize this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore do not become their partners, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. 
Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention then as to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound. But I am talking about Christ in the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Amen. And let that be true of us, brothers and sisters, that we listen to your word, that we follow it, that we obey it, that we are imitators of God as dearly loved children, walking in love and not in sexual immorality or any impurity or greed. God bless you, brothers. May the Lord be with you. Godspeed. Amen.